This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The opinions expressed in this episode are not to be construed as medical advice. Welcome to Demystify Beauty, a weekly podcast about creating transparency in the beauty space. I'm Mackenzie Westmore. And I'm Dr. Paul Nassif. Hi, Dr. Nassif. What's going on, girl? How you doing? I'm, as usual, had a, a, a nice weekend with the kids and played a little That's right, happy Father's Day. And all that kind of, Father's Day, and um, I'm feeling good. So it's a good week, just finished seeing patients all week and, uh, you know, ready to rock and roll. Well, let's do this. Let's rock and roll because I am super excited to be bringing our guest on, the gorgeous, the amazing Kirby Johnson, a beauty journalist, host, producer. She previously worked with Pop Sugar. She's a host producer, like I said, of over 500 segments in the digital video space and now co-hosts a beauty podcast called Gloss Angels. So please welcome in the lovely Kirby Johnson. Hi. Hi, too. sweetie. How are you doing? How's going? I feel like I'm with old friends, so this is going to be fun. I know. No, wait, but yeah. Ned, do you guys know each other too? Yes. Yep. Probably around the same time I met you, Dr. Nassif, I was meeting with Mackenzie and learning more about her brand and I fell in love with her. Um, I fell in love with the backstory of the brand. Um, I loved the products. So yes, I, even though I haven't seen both of you in literal years, oh I keep up with you both during on online. So I feel like I know at least a little bit of what you two are up to. <laughs> and the, also the last time I saw you was the look all stars, the you look all star pre pandemic, yeah. pre pandemic, but that was so fun. That was such a fun shoot. It was, it was awesome to see you in your element hosting. So I, I really enjoyed watching you do your thing. Well, it was perfect having you on as, as a judge because Dr. Nassif, it was all about makeovers of hair, makeup, wardrobe. I think we need to bring that back. We need to bring it back somehow. So wait a minute. What, I agree. What was it called? And one more time. The Look All-Stars. And it was a makeover show of hair, makeup, wardrobe. And whether it was nurses and transforming, they don't have time to take care of themselves and transforming them. Um, it was a bunch of, it was a different uh, take each each episode. Oh, and where, what, where was that? Where did that run? That one. What, it, where was that? So I can't remember. Or something or what? Yeah, it is like a YouTube and it was, it was online. Uh, yeah, there was like a bunch of different outlets that you could watch it on. Yeah, it was it was a little odd. Not gonna lie, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't produce it. So, <laughs> but wait, yeah, yeah, I think if Mackenzie had things would have been different. But it, it it was fun. We had a good time. We had fun. That's all that matters. We had fun, <laughs> and we got a great photo from it. We did. Oh my god, funny. <laughs> so that's how you guys know each other. Yes. And then we of course, originally met when Kirby was at Pop Sugar, and like yep. she said, talking about Westmore Beauty. And then we met again when she was one of our celebrity judges for the Look All Stars because I hosted that with uh, Kim Vo, who's a hairstylist. Oh yeah. Wait a minute. Yeah, remember Kim? Wait a minute. Who did you do that with? Kim Vo. Do you know Kim? Kim, Kim used to cut my hair at his original place, uh, B Two V. No way. Which no way was I do he need and he went over to um, uh, the montage. But yep. now that's made one. I don't he's know. So Where's he now? He's still in Beverly Hills, but I know he has two places. He's two sons. And he just did a reality show of two competing hairstylists. I know it's on, I believe, uh, Paramount or USA UK. And I think it's Blown Away, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. So, I heard about that. I need to watch it. 
I know I'm, I'm dying to see it because he was always the king of blondes to me. So I'm really right. curious to see it. But I feel like the three of us are like three. It's not even six degrees of separation. This is like three degrees of separation. Yes, <laughs> I know. exactly. I know because you just mentioned him and I know him. And then it's we so met, weird. <laughs> as you were just saying, we met originally uh, Pop Sugar. Though. Yeah, I was at Pop Sugar and you had launched your OG circadian <laughs> rhythm. Like, I really feel like you were ahead of the circadian rhythm movement in skincare because that was the first brand that I really heard honing in on that. And you had a like a lunch or like a cocktail hour at Chaconis and I came and I oh met you God, and I remember I go? Jesus I know Christ. insane <laughs> and I posted about it on my Instagram like back when you had those atrocious Instagram filters that we were all using and people <laughs> were losing their ever-loving minds they were like oh my god you met Dr. Nassif no way and then Dr. Nassif one of my friends I this is a repeat story so sorry that you have to hear this again but Mackenzie <laughs> Uh, my one of my best friends in the whole world, her sister had two botched rhinoplasties and nobody would work on her. And so they flew to L.A. and met with Dr. Nassif. And he was like, I can do this and literally gave her a rhinoplasty. Doesn't even look like a rhinoplasty. Like it looks like her nose has never been touched. It is incredible. So yeah. obviously I knew that he was the king of, of rhinoplasties in the first place. But like that really sealed the deal for me. <laughs> That is so amazing. What a great story. Yeah. Well, first of all, good endorsement. I mean, that was a beautiful endorsement. I remember the biorhythmic brand. It was was called Biorhythmic brand. And um, and now we kind of graduated just to NASA MD skincare. Yep. Um, And that's where I'm at right now. You know, remember, she's on QVC and I'm on HSN. I know. (laughs) So funny. Yeah, but I wish I was on. Yeah, but I want to be on QVC with you. I want to. I want you on QVC. Hey, I want to go on QVC and talk about your products. So now we all need to like make this happen, all of us together. (laughs) (laughs) Bring them over, Mackenzie. Exactly. Yes, please come my way. Come with me. There we go. (laughs) I shall lead the way. (laughs) You both need to be there. Well, let's start some of this fun, Mackenzie. Yes. Let's get to this because, you know, Kirby, you are just a wealth of knowledge. And I, you know, let's just start off first with, you know, what is it that interested you about the beauty, entertainment space, journalism? You know, what got you started? So I grew up reading Allure magazine. That was the Bible for me. And I was really fascinated. You know, I think a lot of my friends at the time would see maybe a Britney Spears or a Hilary Duff or whoever it was wearing lipstick or, you know, wearing mascara and, and, you know, wanting that. But I would look at these covers of magazines and go, okay, how did they get to that point? They Mm. didn't do their hair and makeup. How did they get there? So I was really fascinated with the idea of the glam squad, the hairstylists, the makeup artist. And then I started becoming more fascinated with how celebrities faces were evolving. Like, oh, that girl had different teeth last year. Like what happened there? Or why does this girl have a different eyelid shape now? And I was kind of clocking these things, you know, in my teenage years and I became really fascinated with it. My mom was a cosmetologist, so she was always trying out different hairstyles on me. So I felt like I really had this freedom to explore beauty, but I was also obsessed with moving to Los Angeles. Like I knew that as a very young kid that I was moving to LA. I have a a poster that I drew when I was in second grade that, you know, they asked me what you want to do when you grow up. And I said, move to Los Angeles. Like that's where I wanted to go. So 
the longest story ever short, you know, going through your, your school years, I get to LA after I graduated college and I hit the ground running. I knew I wanted to work on camera. Um, I had a journalism degree. Um, I also had a little bit of a background in PR. I was assisting at Rogers and Cowan, a very profound and, you know, big entertainment, uh, publicity firm here in LA. And I really learned the ropes there. I learned who managed who. I learned which publicists worked with Miss, which agents and managers, what clients they had. Um, I also started learning that celebrities got all these insane gifts shipped to them. <laughs> yeah. And, and like a lot of them never even received them. You know what I mean? Like crazy things. But wow. I was really fascinated with just like the behind the scenes of how, how a celebrity image is made. Um, and then also how beauty looks were brought to life on television and on you know the big screen and so from there it kind of just evolved i auditioned at pop sugar they were looking for an on-camera beauty reporter with a journalist background and just like a passion for beauty someone that really understood the trends and knew what was coming and i went i auditioned i got the job and i was there for eight years and after i left i decided i really wanted to focus on the behind the scenes aspect so i've been interviewing a lot of the on-set crew and learning how they tell the story through the hair and makeup but also i love aesthetics i love plastic surgery <laughs> i love i love learning because I, I think of it as an art i don't think of it yeah. as a vanity thing or a superficial thing i i know dr nassif you know like what he has has done in his career like you don't just do that because it's a vanity thing you do that because you're actually looking right. to help someone feel their best about themselves and fix a problem find a solution for those things and i know that you know mckinsey you shared your story um, of working with dr nassif and i loved that because i thought it was so important for people to know like a lot of what we're doing now is probably not going to pay off in the future. We need to be conservative. We need to be careful. Um, and I thought it was really um, educational. And also, I hate to say brave because it's like it's your story, you know, like it's a natural thing for you. But really brave of you to come out and say this is what happened and this is what I'm doing to fix it. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I was really determined to to come forward with that story because I thought it was important, you know, to your note, you know, so many people do look at the trends and what's going on. And I, I, for me personally, I felt it important for people to know that, okay, yeah, this happened on a show and I take responsibility for my part in screwing up, but you know, this is where we need to fix it. And I was lucky enough to yeah. have Dr. Nassif in my life. Right, right. So with that, I would love to know what what has been some of your favorite stories to cover? Like what's one of your top, Ooh, like yes. top three? I do love a celebrity interview, but not, you guys know this, not all celebrities are going to come forth with a ton of information. A lot of it right. is, you know, very, very curated and very um, uh, orchestrated by PR. Um, but I, I loved, I mean, Rihanna, I interviewed her last year mm. last November and she was so fun so down to earth and forthcoming that there's really never a bad interview with Rihanna which I think is why everybody loves to talk to her but story-wise like featured reports uh this might be a little x-rated so I'm but I'm gonna say it go for it <laughs> so last year I was noticing that on television specifically we were seeing a lot of penises like a lot of them really I'm like why are like, why are we seeing so much full frontal of men on TV? Like, it was like, 
the Pam and Tommy show came out. You're literally seeing oh, Tommy yeah, Lee's yeah. penis. Euphoria had so many penises. Um, there's a show called Minx that was on um, HBO and now it's on Showtime. It was, it's an incredible show and season two is coming out in July. I do not work for them, but I freaking love this show. But it's literally about a porn it's like it's like about a porn like a a women's porno magazine and so there's a lot of full frontal men and I'm thinking to myself okay like why are we seeing all of these like what is what is going on here and I learned that while some of these are are actual nudity most of them are not they are fake penises that are like like Mackenzie you know they are I know many that have been made yes (laughs) and so I decided I wanted to do a story called behind the peens and find the the main man, the main penis man doing this because there was one guy that was tied to a lot of these shows. His name is Jason Collins. He runs a company called Autonomous FX and he does amazing other special effects, but like he was the guy everyone told me to go to. So I ended up going to the Valley and interviewing him and seeing literally how the sausage was made. <laughs> and we got some incredible photos, and it was uh, in the last print edition of Allure, which unfortunately shuttered in December. They're still online, but their actual magazine is no longer. But it was in the final issue with Jennifer Aniston on the cover, and it's online. And I did a video promoting this, and people were obsessed. They were dying. They 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 were more interested in the the idea that you had to use a fake penis due to intimacy coordinators and like if a if a penis is not actively doing something like it's fine you can go full frontal but if it's like peeing or erect or anything of that nature it has to be fake for intimacy coordinator you know stipulations so um it was really a fascinating learn for me my mom was like horrified Uh, (laughs) (laughs) but by far one of the most fun and Probably, like, I would say one of my signature stories that, like, has the Kirby touch. Like, nobody else was was writing about that. See, that's what I love about the stories that you tell is because for me personally, I love looking because it's my childhood, a lot of these things that I see. Yes. And even now, you know, with my husband being a director and a designer, I'm always on set. I'm always seeing the behind the scenes. I'm seeing the stuff that we can't talk about. Yes. <laughs> It's interesting, and I, I love watching your videos and your content because it's it's just it's, it feels like home to me. You're Patrick, right? I need to meet him. Yes, you do. You I need because I my I have a boy. My boyfriend's name is Patrick. So when ah. you say Patrick, sometimes I'm like Patrick, but they're like, oh no, it's Mackenzie's husband. I'm like Patrick, but yeah, I you know Mackenzie, I want you to come on Los Angeles because I think that your story, your entire like familial history is so integral to why you make the products that you make. So I, is, I, yeah. I would love to dissect that on the podcast soon. Oh, let's do it. I'll, I'll, I'll come on. Let's do it. Yes. Be fun. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's it. So let, let me go back to ask a question. Yeah. There's some, these fake penises. <laughs> so was it a prosthetic or, but the point is if the, if the person's naked, Full frontal. Are they putting the prosthetic on top of the penis? Yes. Yeah. It's literally like a mask. <laughs> like yeah. I learned yeah, so like much about it. In like a mask you would put on your face, it's you you are pulling right it on and they are sometimes gluing it. Sometimes mm-hmm. there's straps involved. I mean, there was um 
there was a, a Tonight Show clip with Jimmy Fallon of Theo James, who was on The White Lotus. And there is a scene in The White oh. Lotus season two where you can kind of see a little bit of his character's penis and everyone's like, oh my God, that thing is huge. And so like Jimmy Fallon's like, sir, you're, you know, you're very well endowed, like that type of thing. And Theo James is like, no, that was a part of the character design. He was meant to have a giant penis and and it kind of speaks to why he is so confident in himself. That was all fake. It was all a prosthetic. It was molded a certain way. Like we talked with the whole team about how big it should actually be. So, uh, I mean, I find that's what I find fascinating that it wasn't just someone's like make a huge penis and put it on it's like no okay it was it's gonna be six and a half inches and it's gonna be this and it's like all a part of the character's design and it speaks to the character's personality and why the character acts a certain way like that's awesome to me i love sharing stuff like that so kirby you're gonna love this little side note really quick sorry dr (laughs) i just gotta tell a side note so one of the things that my husband loves to have his claim to fame to is in the movie seven there's a specific moment in the movie. I'm not, I'm not giving, well, I kind of giving something away, but if you ever watched the movie seven, yep. he loves to tell everybody that he made the giant dildo that kills one of, so when you see that moment, <laughs> the enormous killing dildo, that's his work. Wow. I hope he has that on his resume. Like, that's very important. I think people would yeah, really gravitate towards that. Like, great job there, honey. <laughs> He, he he and I are going to have a lot to talk about. I can't oh, wait yeah. to meet him. He's another one. You got to. Yeah. Oh, boy. For sure. Love it. Good luck there. So, I mean, so that is a very interesting story. Just a very interesting topic because <clears throat> I would have never believed that until you told us that. So, we've, you know, at my age of 61, it's still fantastic that I'm still learning things. And right. That I mean, I've. Is funny like did you ever know that most penises on tv and movies they're all fake i mean this is the thing too that conversation theo james in particular kind of started this conversation online because they talked about how it was fake and a lot of the comments were well why can women go full frontal and it's their naked body but men you know, get the option to have, you know, prosthetic penis or whatever. And it really comes down to making sure everybody feels safe on set. Also, it's making sure that it even makes sense. I mean, in the show, Minx, there is an episode where one of the guys has an erection. And it's like, in order to have an erection, it's probably going to make a lot of people on set feel uncomfortable if you have to, you know, have one for eight hours straight you know what i mean like that it's impossible well, like it's impossible like, period 100 percent. what exactly like it, it doesn't make if, if it's not possible period and it if it was i don't think a lot of people would want to have because it's not it, that this is the main thing all the makeup department heads that i spoke to about this they're like it's not porn porn has a whole other set of rules and regulations that they abide by a television or movie set is not the same. So you have these intimacy coordinators coming in and you have to make sure that every party that's on that set feels comfortable with what's going on there. Yeah. Um, so that like that really is the basis of it. It's not that sometimes these men don't want to, you know, show themselves or whatever. It's really everybody on set has a say so in that. It's very true. I mean, I remember going back to even the early 2000s passions, you know, yeah. nine times out of 10, we were naked. But yes. we had specific, 
things we wore that covered the private areas. It was always a closed set. There was mm -hmm. something, you probably know this, something called the Merkin. Yes, the Merkin. I was yeah. gonna say, do you have a Merkin? Oh yeah, we all had Merkins. Wait a minute, what's that? <laughs> do you still have your Merkin? Oh, what's what's the Merkin? Herman, go ahead. No, no, you can tell him. I, I'm not telling him about Merkin. I, I've already talked about penises on this show. No, go for it. No, you go. go. It's like a pubic wig. It's like a, a pubic wig that, you know, covers yeah covers it's, the area. It's underwear. it's it's underwear that is like a little thong for women, yep. men, yep. and uh, and sometimes in or or what it is is it just covers the front. Yes, because that was the most important thing was just having that that comfortableness between actors, having been in the situation and having dealt with this. Right, you you need to make sure everybody is comfortable, everybody is safe. You know, and, and and mind you, this was also before um, you know we had any any serious legal issues like that didn't really exist in the early two thousands. Right, right, I right. Mean, in a soap opera back then, it was like good luck, you know, yeah. free for all. But totally. there still was that that whole idea of making sure that everybody was comfortable and protected. Yeah, so and, uh, like a an air of modesty at the very least, and I think that's. Yeah. That's the basis of this prosthetic penis conversation. I love that people who are listening into this right now are like, I did not think that we were going this direction for this This took another turn. Okay, but then I, then I got to ask you a question here. I'll have Mackenzie this now since I'm, I'm interested. All right, so you have a scene in a yes. movie where this passions, whatever the heck it is. I mean, I'm talking about this scene, not, not the actual... Uh, uh, the soap opera. But so if it's a naked scene on TV and the guy is simulating having sex with the girl, the lady, and you see his butt, the guy's right. butt, what is he wearing in the front then? Because he's, you know, doing some activity. So, for example, when I was on Passions, they would have a sock. A real that sock? No, it was it was made for them, and it would just cover the front, and but it, it was put on in a way and and uh, glued on so that you could at least have the back part look naked, so it gave the illusion of of the nudity. Yep. Or they would just take the the um, because sometimes the director would be sitting at the edge of the bed, and saying, okay, you know, kiss her here, um, you know, bite him there, whatever it was. And they would just have a, the, the, the sheet just down low enough so that he could maybe have on nude underwear and it would just be, you would have the sheets just high up enough to cover the nude underwear. Okay. Now, listen, we could edit this part out, but I'm going to understand. But if you're wearing <laughs> something like that when they're actually simulating sex on these shows. I know where you're going. So yeah. what happens if the guy gets a little excited? No, that's literally what I want to know. Like, okay. because it's probably, I mean, no pun intended, hard to not get that way, right? Like, this is what I think about on a daily. And also, you have to be so comfortable with your co-star, right? Like, you just yes. have to yes. uh, maybe have an understanding, like, this is my body and I, it may or may not happen. I'm sorry. It's not, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm not trying to do anything. No. I, I listen, been there, done that. Yeah. Long story short, no pun intended, um, <laughs> it just, it does happen. And when it would happen, it would just be like, oh, okay, there's that. All right. You know, at the end of the day, we had a job to do. Right. We had scenes to do. Um, 
it, it happens. I ran into it on the show because the body does things. And unfortunately, guys are more obvious about it than girls because anatomically, that's just how it is. And it just, you, you laugh it off. There's nothing you can do because you got to get the job done. You just laugh it off yeah. and stuff happens. It is an interesting thing. I will say that when it does happen, it, it, you do have that first moment of like, Ooh, okay, there's that. All right. But it's, it's part of acting. That's yeah. part of acting. Totally. Jesus. I'm trying to think about <laughs> if I was married or had a, you know, yeah. a girlfriend was on a show like this and they had to do some of that stuff and they had to, you know, kiss and stuff. I mean, back then, yeah. I assume back then in the early 2000s, as compared to now, you know, the, the kissing was a little bit more intimate. Oh, yeah. It was way different back then than it is now because back then you could get away with so much that you can't get away with now. So I always joked that the show that I was on, because we were all in those scenes, you know, 20 years old, it was like Melrose Place. Yeah. Basically, behind the scenes was like Melrose Place because it just was a free for all. Right. You know, you, you had Jesse Metcalf, you had all, all these <laughs> actresses and actresses that were like, you know, woohoo, here we go. Right. You know, and I always joke that my wardrobe was this big on the rack totally. because it's a soap opera. And and you're right, Dr. Nassif, it's it's difficult. I mean, I don't I would never, never be with an actor. I, I could never be with an actor because yeah. I couldn't deal with that. I couldn't deal with the kissing or anything like that. Yeah, that's so, I know we totally segue. Yeah, yeah. saying, yeah, I'm going to go. Be on set today. I have to do a lovemaking scene, and I'd say, "What?" Yeah, that'd be a little crazy. Yeah, you know. But again, a lot of famous celebrities and stuff—they do it all the time, and they're married. And yeah, yeah. You know, now it's kissing it like this, right? It's kissing like this. With yeah. your, they kiss with their mouth closed. Now is that how they kiss? I mean, that's what it looks like. I, yeah. I, I'm really awaiting a rom-com of some sort where there is like a sexy, you can feel the chemistry because we, we've been lacking on strong chemistry in some of these movies and TV shows as of late. So yeah, I, don't, I, agree. I don't think you're going to get that for a while still. But I think that the intimacy coordinators have really stepped in to yes. help at least be a voice for the actors when before maybe the actors felt like they didn't have a choice especially if they were an upcoming actor they didn't have a lot of power on set now right. there's this intimacy coordinator who can at least vocalize between both parties to the director and to everybody else on set like this is what they're comfortable with this is where we're going and this is like the maximum this is the minimum and make yes. sure that everybody at least feels good or at least yeah. is aware of what's going to take place you know what yeah, I mean? So we, didn't, we didn't have that when, when in the early, like I said, in the early. No advocates for you. There was nobody to advocate for us. It really was just throw us on set, do it. Just It was a closed set, you know, and then, of course, they'd have us watch those videos of, of the legal, you know, ramifications and how to be um, appropriate on set. And it's like, you know, you've got, like I said, you've got all these 20 year olds that are not even really, nobody's paying attention, right. laughing at this, going seriously. You're throwing us in a bed half naked, you really expect us to watch human resources telling us how to be appropriate? Come on. Right, right. I always think about, um, Have did you guys ever watch Parks and Rec? Yes. I, I, I loved Parks and Rec. And there's a blooper right. where Chris Pratt shows up to Amy Poehler's house and he is completely nude, but like holding like a flower or like a candy heart in front of his... <laughs> 
you know, business. And in the bloopers, he, he doesn't have anything covering it. He's just completely naked. And NBC Universal sent him a letter basically being like, you cannot do that it, it it's like wildly inappropriate you did not yeah. get permission nobody knew you were going to do it also you cannot talk about this like publicly etc and then the only way i knew about it was because he went on a tv show overseas uh graham norton and talked about it so oh, wow. it's like, and that was like tw- what 2014 like, yeah. like even at that point there still was not a lot of mandates or anything keeping people from, you know, kind of right. doing what they wanted. Right. Exactly. And it's, it is much more strict today, but even still. <laughs> right. It happens. You it know, happens. I'm so sorry I derailed this entire conversation into <laughs> no, penis it's land. No. I like, uh, I, you did, Dr. Nassif had no idea that no, this no. is what we were going to be divulging into. Well, the good, I mean, the good news is we could actually go ahead and ask, we have, we have specific questions for you. I mean, Mackenzie, do you want to ask her the next question? Yeah, go on. You went psyching me as exciting. I know you're loving this. We're keeping people engaged. Exactly, exactly. We can we can segue off of penises and sex. Great, Great. (laughs) I know it is. I know I like laughing so hard. I know. So I, I know your, your podcast, it's phenomenal. I love what you do, Thank but you. I would love for you to tell everybody about Gloss Angels and, and how it started, how it came about and, and everything, everything, the 411 about it. Okay. So it's Gloss Angeles, like Los Angeles, Angeles, Angeles. Yeah. Gloss yeah. Angeles. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it's a, obviously a play off of LA because we are two beauty editors based on the West yep. coast. We felt like that perspective was missing, um, especially when it came to beauty podcasts. A lot of the editor hosted podcasts are based in New York or, you know, there's a big one based out of Toronto. And so we thought, why don't we pull back the curtain on like what we know to be true? We know a lot about the, um, you know, entertainment industry. We know a lot about influencer, which is really big out here. Um, and I had been at pop sugar for eight years. I had done everything that I could do there. I had built their beauty video vertical, interviewed everyone, got on tons of amazing trips, met every brand founder. I felt like I had a really good Rolodex, which for some of you, you might be like, what the hell's a Rolodex, but a really good network (laughs) of, of people that I cared about and like knew really well that I felt like I could leave and start something on my own. And so I let Sarah, my co-host, who is the beauty director at Refinery29, know that I was planning on leaving Pop Sugar in July of 2019. I told her in January, and she said, okay, this is the time to start the podcast. And so knowing I had a, essentially like a due date of when I was leaving, we got the logo, we, we figured out how to make a podcast, and we did our, you know, we recorded our first episode. And you guys know, like, recording a podcast is hard because there's a lot that goes into it. But in terms of like getting the right setup, it's not really that hard. You can, you can like anybody yeah. can go on Amazon right now and find like a great mic headphones and like whatever you need to make it work. Mm-hmm. But one thing that I think that um, Sarah and I knew from the beginning is this wasn't going to be a hobby for us. We wanted to turn it into a business and something that would be, bigger than just a podcast we wanted to build a community and we knew that we needed to be consistent with it and so for the first year we did it for um one episode a week and then COVID hit and 
I we used to film in person together all the time. That meant we were separated doing it virtually like this. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of expanded, you know, in a way we, we were like, oh, it sucks that we aren't, we aren't together filming all the time, but it expanded our guest list because the guests didn't have to be in LA for us to interview right. them, which That's was true. great. So true. it really helped yeah. us to grow and to thrive. And we um, ended up taking the podcast to two times a week, bi-weekly. So we have a news episode on Tuesdays and then a guest episode on Fridays. And I, I honestly feel like we have been able to thrive and do well with this podcast because we are consistent um mm-hmm. look up any podcast with any name right now i guarantee you most of them don't exist anymore they haven't posted in three or four oh. years um Cheers. so if, if you do, yeah if you do want to start a podcast just know like you really need to be devoted to doing it to see you yeah. know if it's actually going to to work out for you financially you know um optics wise things of that nature and then our relationships. We both have been doing this for a really long time, and we've been able to get incredible guests on the show because of our relationship. So we both felt comfortable doing that uh, based on where we were in our career. And I felt like, you know, podcasts, like everyone's like, oh, everyone has a podcast. But like the podcast industry is still growing. Like it still yeah. has so far to go. Um, and I'm really excited to see how it expands. Now, did you say, let's <clears throat> forget my memory on this. Have okay. I been on this one yet or not? You have been on Gloss Angeles, Dr. Nassif. We talked all about rhinoplasties and you broke down all of the different types of rhinoplasties, um, the, the best candidates, how you personally see things, your take on things. Um, and that was one of my favorite episodes and Sarah's because Sarah and I both love talking about rhinoplasties. We find yeah. we find them fascinating. Well, now, if so. you when you feel it's appropriate, you want to talk about face and eyes and stuff. Yes. You one then, too. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Actually, I have a question for you, Dr. Nassif. This is kind of relevant, I think, to because, you know, you guys talk about the name of the show is Demystify Beauty. So I, I'm sure you guys saw that Kat Sadler came out and said that she got a facelift, a neck lift, and a blepharoplasty at 48. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this on Los Angeles um, uh, in a, a recent episode where I thought it was interesting that the headline focused on her age being 48. And a lot of what the conversation was in the story was asking her, like, you know, do you have, do you feel any regrets for doing this so early in your life and think of things of that nature? Maybe not regrets is the right word, but like basically saying yeah. 48, it's early in life. Like, how do you feel about that? Like, were you told not to? And in my opinion, I feel like in 2023, people who are considering plastic surgery, 48 like late 40s early 50s that's probably when at least women are coming in and and getting a consult at the very least do you agree with that or do you think it's still an older surgery like a a surgery for like women in their 60s and 70s so basically we talk about this all the time it's starting a little bit younger um we start thinking about mini facelifts and or neck lifts uh usually in the 40s yeah Mm -hmm. okay so yeah. you don't usually have to wait till you're in the 50s or 60s because you don't want to look like you need an emergency facelift where one day you have all the skin, but the next day mm-hmm. it's all gone. And the goal with really good you know, facial surgery is right when you start seeing some of the aging process start to occur, where you have good elasticity of the skin, and you're 43, 44, 45, whatever it is. 
you tailor the procedure to what that patient needs. So mm -hmm. if I have to look now, I'm going to say most of my facelift patients are now being a little bit more preventive and prophylactic, and they're in their 40s and 50s. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So are you are seeing a shift then? You are seeing uh, a change? I mean, was it? I, I actually am curious now. Was it considered an older surgery once upon a time? Yes. You know, usually in the late 50s, 60s. Um, and I think because of social media, you know, tech net, looking down and all yeah, that. Yes. Um, yeah. Or looking at the as more and the more Zooms we do, the more podcasts, the more social media we do. We're looking. The front-facing camera. You know, right. So I do, you know, remember I'm, a, I'm known as a probably, you know, one of the top rhinoplasty surgeons in the world. But one thing that we do with so many patients that will fly in, it's interesting that we're looking at their photo on the screen because I have a big screen in my office. Oh, that screen in yeah. your office is the worst. <laughs> and, then, and then they oh, see their neck I just like today. What about yes. this? What about that? You know? And that's how they'll come in and they'll end up doing the nose and their eyes or something with their eyes and their face. Wow. Happens all the time. Oh, Kirby, when he had my face on the big screen, I was like, I I thought I looked decent until I saw my face on his screen. I was like, I am a fucking troll. Sorry. No, absolutely oh, not. Really? Okay, no. well, first, we're always our worst critic, we obviously. Are, but I understand. Like today, I was at a breakfast and someone took a video and tagged me in it and got my side profile. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, this is not what I, and I was like looking down at my phone and I had like a bulge right oh, here. And I'm like, Jesus. you know oh, what no, I mean? No. It's, it's, but at the same time, like, obviously we're more aware. I try to be nuanced in this, right? It's like, we have listeners who are anti-plastic surgery and that's totally right. their prerogative, right? But also I'm not because I think it, if you feel better, and you're making the decision because it's something you are personally feeling, not trying to follow a trend. Like, right. for instance, like the ponytail, um, like yeah, the ponytail lift. Yeah, those people are going to regret that. I feel like yeah. in a, like especially the young people that got it because it's like they. I feel like they haven't even grown into their faces yet, right? And it's also right. like that's a very specific look. It's mm -hmm. not like just casually raising an eyebrow or like getting a blepharoplasty. It's like a very modern like 2020 2023 look that maybe a spot look <laughs> yes and maybe in in five or or even three or four years people are going to go oh like i think about how we think about makeup in 2016 now how there yeah. was like a very specific way we did makeup in 2016 and when we see people wearing it we're like oh gosh that feels so outdated in a way like oh you're wearing all matte and you're wearing the matte lipstick and like the extreme highlighter it's just like we don't wear makeup like that anymore it's totally right. your prerogative to wear that way but it does look dated in a sense and mm -hmm. i feel like there are these cosmetic surgeries that are taking place with doctors that don't have any ethics that are going yeah sure like i'll give you this that or the other thing and then these people are stuck looking like they live in 2021 for the rest of their lives and it's just yeah. A very it's almost like the kardashian effect in a way and yeah. I, I i say this a lot um i am a fan of kim kardashian i think like what she's done with skims is incredible and i really like i i think that she's an incredible businesswoman and has massive influence and that family to be able to be spoken about for the last like 14 years and still stay relevant every single year yeah. 
Like there's that nobody else has even come close to Correct. like touching that. Okay. So they are obviously doing something right. But I do think that the modifications that they've done to their faces and their bodies, I mean, you see little Kardashian, uh, you know, puppets essentially or little Kardashian, you know, mo- like copy and paste all around L.A. from not only how they dress and how they do their hair and makeup, but to literally copying their face, their nose, their butt, yeah. their boobs, their their waist, all of these things. And I think like now we've started to see the Kardashians change how change they look. Yeah. And now people are like, oh crap, but I look like this version of a Kardashian. And like, that's yep. not in vogue. So my whole thing is like, go see Dr. Nassif and get whatever you want done because you have always wanted a rhinoplasty or you have always wanted a blepharoplasty or a facelift or whatever it is. Or maybe you're noticing your neck. Like, that's one thing I keep noticing now. Like, I'm 36 and I'm like, oh my God, my neck. Like, we got to figure out the neck situation. But whatever it is, I just want people to not be doing what's on trend because that's never going to benefit you in in the long run. You know, and as a beauty journalist, is there a specific trend makeup-wise and Mm surgery-wise that you are seeing that you, you really do appreciate, you hate? I think for makeup, I think it's really cool that Gen Z specifically is just kind of like whatever goes. And I like the idea that it's not so polished and curated. Um, Mm. I I think Gen Z, you know, Gen Z I was reading, they don't like um, user generated content in terms of advertisements. Like they, they want people, they want to know that a brand is advertising to them, which I think is so funny because like for the past 10 years, Brands have been trying to figure out organic ways to weave themselves into people, influencers' content, right? Mm-hmm. But then Gen Z saying, no, I want you to literally do a commercial so that I know that you're not trying to dupe me into buying something. Like, hey. make it just a full-blown ad versus, like, trying to weave it into this, like, natural review type of thing. And and, and on that note, I think that mm-hmm. they also, you know, they don't want the curation. They want it to be really organic and authentic. So when it comes to their makeup, it's like – letting your skin show through, letting your freckles show through, like not having this like picture perfect Instagram feed look. Um, and I really appreciate that. I think they're having a lot of fun. Um, but at the same time, I also think that Gen Z is responsible for a lot of the commodification of beauty. Mm. And like on TikTok especially, you see these products that are trending every other day and they're not actually – get like the trends are happening and they get these products and then they're not actually sticking with them because they only bought them because of a first impression review not a legitimate person saying okay i've been using this for six years or i've been using this for five months this is how it worked for me i think it would be great for this person it's like oh they swiped on a foundation and it looked magical so i went out and bought it and then it turns out it was like not great for my skin and it didn't even match my skin tone you know what i mean so I think in terms of makeup, that's kind of what I'm anti. Like, I, I, I'm not like, I really am against trends, <laughs> like, overall. I want people to embrace things that are good for them, not just because they're on trends. And then in terms of, like, aesthetics, I do think that people are going nuts with filler. Yeah. And Mackenzie, I think, like, you would agree with this. I think that they're just going absolutely apeshit with these fillers, <laughs> thinking that it's going to, you know, dissolve in however many months and they're overdoing it they're also hopping mm. to different providers if one won't do it yep. they're going to another 
Right. Um, they're also seeing providers that do not have the expertise or the longevity in their uh, vocation to administer these fillers. Like I, yeah. I tell people like, sometimes these training days happen like all day on a Saturday. And then the next Monday, that person is injecting on the floor somewhere. You know what I mean? Like, this is why you need to go to like a board certified dermatologist or plastic surgeon and make sure that they had the credentials and ask them like, how long have you been doing this? Um, I just think that there's a lot like uh, about fillers that I think is going to come out in the future that we all need to just take a step back and be careful with, because I mean, Dr. Nassif, I'm sure that you have probably said this before, but like, I've talked to so many plastic surgeons that are like, um, we see under the skin, like we see the scar tissue, yeah. we see I these saw fillers. Yeah, they're still there. Like they are still there. Um, so, and, and, and I'm so thankful to all of the plastic sur uh, surgeon sources that I, I interview because they're the ones that are like, listen, I don't want you to go down the wrong path. Like minimally sure but be very very careful with with yeah. how much you're getting That's injected true. in your face very true and i i just have one last question now before we before we wrap up yes um for you kirby what for you personally mm. is one product that you can't get enough of okay i have it or i did have it it's this product from a brand called lawless and it is a lip gloss called forget the filler kind of um it's kind of like on brand for me forget the filler um it's gorgeous it has it superficially makes your lips look really plump but then it has an ingredient in it called maxi lip and maxi lip has been clinically proven to actually improve the health and the fullness of your lips over time with continued use so she made a lip gloss, she made a, a lip balm, and then she made an overnight mask. And I wear this religiously. I'm wearing it right now. The best part, though, is like I feel great using it and I feel like my lips look really juicy when I wear it. But the the scents, the flavors, there's one called Cherry <laughs> Vanilla and it reminds me of Cherry Coke. So it's like very nostalgic. And they just launched one called Watermelon and it smells like melted watermelon Jolly Ranchers. <laughs> so it's fun to wear. I enjoy using it. Um, the doe foot is like really big and fluffy and gets all in there. And I just feel like that's a that's a product that I, I think is fun and I enjoy using it. Will you remind Dallas this in case I forget? Yeah. This is my Hydra screen for lips. Ooh, is it a is is Hydra screen? Yeah. Screen? Hydra screen, Hydra you know screen. my yeah. you know my um it's I made it specifically for the lips. You know, it's okay. the same hyaluronic acid as my hydrogen screen. Nice. It's, and it's watermelon. Watermelon. And it's got volulip, bahoba glaze, and hyaluronic acid. All the yes. same. And I want you to test this and let me know how you like this compared to that product you use. I will do it. And you know what? And I will also get you the 60 second lip effects because it does come in colors Ooh, and it is a go. lip plumper with a metallic doe foot. So it cools your lips. Wait, why haven't I tried that, Mackenzie? I don't know. Oh, rude. 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 So I'm rude. I'm sorry. I'm so innocent. <laughs> so listen, guys, I want to make sure to get you that. But I need, to go you. See, I need to go see patients because all yes. I know is this was fun. We have to awesome. see about doing another one of these. Yes. Um, yeah. Because it was cool. I mean, Thank this you. was fun just talking about 
I think we can actually just sit and start talking and we can get on our topic and spend a good 20 minutes on each topic. Agreed. You know, with the three of but us. But I do so want to finish up that with the three of us really should. But I, I, you know, Kirby, I want you to be able to tell everybody all and wherever oh, yes. you can be found, your podcast, all, all your, your handles. All your stuff. Kirby Johnson, K-I-R-B-I-E Johnson on all platforms. And then Gloss Angeles is the podcast. And you can hear us wherever you get your podcasts, like Mystify Beauty. You can listen anywhere. Um, we have a Facebook group. We have our social media. It's Gloss Angeles Pod. So we would love to see you and have you in our community. Great. And I just want to thank everybody that's listening, watching. Please ask questions. If it's about fake penises, go for it. We'll answer those questions. But <laughs> anybody you're listening, watching, hey, Kirby, thank you so much. This was thank so fun. Thank you for listening to Demystify Beauty, produced by Gotham Production Studios. Please don't hesitate to reach out to us on Instagram at Demystify Beauty or email us at demystifybeauty at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. See you next time.